Good morning to all our listeners around the world. Logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. It is Monday. Yes. Time to recover from the weekend. Hope everyone got some rest or had fun. Hope everyone got a chance to do something they never did before. Of course, I have to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Monday, August 8th, in case you forgot the day and the date. Let me just remind you. Move it Monday and here on Coffee and Toe, if it's your first time, every Monday, it's done in soca style, meaning you're going to hear soca songs throughout. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m., to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You can find me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, M I Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments underscore with underscore me, M I underscore media. You can also catch us on TikTok. Yeah, we're ramping up over there as well. And here's the headlines we have coming up for you today. In international news, 12-year-old boy removed from life support against parents' wishes. Ceasefire between Palestinians. Israel takes effect in Gaza. Shift in war's front seen as ships cleared to leave Ukraine. News out of North America. Suspect wanted for fatally shooting four people in Ohio captured in Kansas. Thieves thieves make off with more than $2 million in diamonds in Bronx. Smash and grab. Indiana's new near-total abortion ban will go into effect September 15 becomes first state to pass ban following Roe versus Wade overturn. One of Ahmad Aubrey's convicted killers says he fares being killed in Georgia state prison. Biden to join governor to survey flood damage in Kentucky. At least 68 migrants arrived in NYC over the weekend on buses sent by Texas Governor Abbott. Albuquerque police seek car in killings of four Muslim men. In business and tech news, how Biden's big win in the Senate could change America and reshape his fortunes. In health and science news, top scientist admits space telescope image was actually a slice of chorizo. In sports news, NFL star Demarius Thomas's autopsy points to complications of a seizure disorder as cause of death. Out of the Caribbean corner, migrant interdiction near Key Largo comes amid massive influx of Cuban and Haitian migrants in 2022. Independence Grand Gala, a spectacle indeed. Suspected mastermind behind importation of 21 guns held in Ocherias, and that's out of Jamaica. $43 million spent on Johnson Smith's failed Commonwealth post-bid summit. St. Kitts and Nevis Prime Minister declares August 8th a public holiday. Massive inter-island drug bust, multi-million dollar marijuana seizure. Out of Latin America, firefighters battle big blaze at Cuba tank farm for the second day. In Believe It or Not stories, uh, day kicks owner facing 30 years in prison for sneaker Ponzi scheme. Atlanta area couple charged using their adopted children 
to make child porn. In entertainment news, attorney for man who killed Nicki Minaj's father admits client got a bit of a break with one-year jail sentence but says it was not substantial. Prosecutors want to seize $28,000 from R. Kelly's prison inmate account and Mike Tyson accuses Hulu of stealing his life story called Streamer slave master we're gonna be back with the details after this music break here's a little more soca for us to get that blood pumping get us moving wake us up and ready to start the week Got that a pretty little smile. I spot you anywhere from a mile, baby. Look 
looking in your profile. No spam, no bad data, base, baby. Listeners, logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Everyone logged on to JanoRadio.com and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee and Toe, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. If I sound... A little out of breath, forgive me. I almost forgot I'm supposed to be reading the news, okay? I'm here dancing at soca and dancehall and reggae and reggaeton will do that to you. So I'm here dancing and dancing and dancing. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> it's time for me to get back on. Oh my gosh. So forgive me for sounding a little out of breath. Let me let me get my breath together, yeah? <sighs> Coming up after this, we're going to have the details of our international stories. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and we're also on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. Check us out and follow us. I'm sure I'm not the only one this has happened to. You're cooking, right? And you get carried away. Us Caribbean folk, we love to do our chores. And I don't think it's just us. I think I think it's us as people. We enjoy doing our chores when there is music. No music, no enjoyment, right? I know I hate doing chores. I do it because I have to live in a decent environment um but yeah chores make it that you know the music helps make the chores that much better to do you know more tolerable 
So music does have a way of letting you get carried away. You know, something that's supposed to take you an hour may take two, three hours, depending on what you're listening to. But they say when the music hits, you feel no pain. And now it's time for us to get into the business. In international news, 12-year-old boy removed from life support against his parents' wishes. Archie Battersby, 12, was comatose in a United Kingdom hospital and died after a lengthy legal battle between doctors and the boy's parents. A court determined doctors could remove him from life support. He died around noon on Saturday, nearly two hours after doctors discontinued treating him. Young Archie had been in a coma since April 7 after he was found unconscious in the family's home. Ella Carter, the fiancé of Archie's brother Tom, said the family witnessed the boy's final moments. He went completely blue, she said. There's absolutely nothing dignified about watching a family member or a child suffocate. No family should ever have to go through what we've been through. It's barbaric. Batterby's situation became um, was the latest legal battle that pitted the will of parents against the advice of doctors. His parents pushed to keep their son alive by extending treatment or moving Archie to a hospice, but doctors argued it was in Archie's best interest to be removed from life support. Doctors at the Royal London Hospital said the child was brain stem dead and should be allowed to die they urged them to end the treatment that kept him living which included artificial respiration medication to regulate his bodily functions and around the clock nursing care this is according to fox news the hospital testified that arch's condition was unstable and felt moving him would hasten his death a stance arch's family objected to and said they would not give up hope. On Friday, High Court Judge Lucy Thies ruled in favor of the doctors despite it was against the parents' wishes and ruled Archie should remain in the hospital and for his treatment to be withdrawn. Their unconditional love and dedication to Archie is a golden thread that runs through the case, Thies wrote in her decision. I hope now Archie can be afforded the opportunity for him to die in peaceful circumstances with the family who meant so much to him as he clearly does to them. The European Court of Human Rights refused to get involved in the case. A tearful Holly Dance, who is Batterby's mother, said she was the proudest mom in the world. He fought right until the very end. It's a devastating place to be in. As a parent, I truly understand that you are hopeful, especially mothers. We never give up. We fight to the very end. We give everything, every, and we fight with every fiber in our body for our children. And we have faith, and we believe that the impossible is always possible. We exhaust every avenue we're relentless we don't care we will go to the end of the earth as long as we're able to so i understand as a parent where they're coming from 
because miracles do happen whether we want to believe it or not miracles do happen would i want to pull the plug on my child no no and i'm going to be very honest the answer is no because in me i have faith that is as small as a mustard seed that's all that's all we're taught right you can have faith the size of a must mustard seed and you with that faith you can move mountains and what are those mountains not the physical mountains but whatever we are faced with whatever trials and tribulations and circumstances whatever it is that seems so tumultuous the size of a mountain Everest let's say we can overcome it if our faith is unwavering right and the faith doesn't have to be grand just the size of a mustard seed and a mustard seed is really small so I want to believe that this mother these parents had that kind of faith and that's why it ended up in court a battle between the doctors and the parents as to having this child removed from life support the child is comatose has been comatose since april 7 so of course being comatose the child is deteriorating physically right there's no mobility child can't do anything for themselves they're unconscious to the world well i don't know what it is to be unconscious let me say that i don't know what happens when you're in an unconscious state but unconscious so allegedly has no awareness of what's going on around not hearing not seeing nothing and imagine being told that your child is to be removed from um life support and medication to be stopped it has to be devastating but at the same time when do we as parents step up and face the music face the reality and realize that in keeping them in that situation we are prolonging their suffering if they're able to feel the suffering remember in, in in a coma i don't know what happens i really don't but let us say there the person is suffering is it truly fair to that person so over the weekend i had a conversation with a marlon's little cousin she's a nurse in jamaica and we were talking you know because i wanted to know how does it feel being in that position day in day out and you're seeing people lose their lives it has to play a mental stress it has to be mentally stressful right how do you as a medical professional respond to a family who has hope but you know that the patient is at the end of the road truth is you have to continue giving them hope is that right though is that right good morning good morning javette I just pray no one under the sound of our voices ever have to make that decision or fight to make that decision. Yeah. 
I'm with you, Javette. I'm with you. I can't begin to imagine. But, and I remember saying to her, I said, you know something, when people die in accidents, you know, we, we sit here and we're like, oh my gosh, why did the person have to go? This is so unfair. And, you know, we go through the, the, the different stages of um, the grieving process, the anger, the disbelief, the disappointment, the frustration before we can get to the acceptance and process it, right? But as I've got older, and I think having lost my father, this has opened up my eyes and caused me to look at things in a different perspective. Are we selfish to want these people around regardless of the situation, regardless of them being in a vegetative state, regardless of them not being able to do anything? Why are we holding on? Are we being selfish? I think that's part of it. We want them around for our benefit, right, Javette? Because we want them there. We're not thinking about them. And I said to her, you know, people who die, God probably knows best. Not probably. God always knows best, in my opinion. Because let us say they survived. We don't know the quality of life that they would have. And let us say the quality of life is undesirable. Can't move. They have to be fed, changed, turned, lifted. Can't do anything for themselves. Is that what you would truly want for your loved one? And is that the kind of imposition you want on yourself and your family? Because now it becomes a financial burden, a mental burden, an emotional burden, and a physical burden. Are you truly equipped for that? But then moments, there's those stories, which are probably few and far between, of people that have been in comas for X amount of years, yeah. and they come out yeah. with no problem. Fact. That is a fact, too. So there we go. We're, we have opposite ends of the spectrum. So who decides? Who decides at this point what happens? How do we make that decision? Who decides? It's a tough place. And as you said, Javette, I, I pray that none of us has to go through that. I wonder if the decision was made due to finances. If someone had money that they can afford for their loved ones to stay in that state for years, is it right for them to do that versus the other person that can't afford it? I don't know what the situation was in this case. Right. But again, you know, like you just said, I just pray none of us have to go through that. Make man. that decision. Yeah. And you brought up a very valid point. Money. Yes. Money is a huge factor in a lot of decisions that are made. If it was in this case, we don't know. But we know 
that because of the lack of resources, there are people who have not been able to afford treatment or medication, and unfortunately, they end up passing, right? They end up transitioning. And this is where, as a Christian, I do struggle at times. Because I look at the situation, I'm like, okay, we trust in God and we, we know that God knows best. So is the human side of us going to say, no, keep him there? Or is the spiritual side going to say, leave it in God's hands? And if we pull the plug, we're leaving it in God's hands. And if he transitions or if the child transitions, it means that that is God's will. But if we keep the child hooked up or our loved one hooked up to the, the machine, we're doing it our way. And that's where I struggle, Javed. I'm not going to, I cannot be a hypocrite. I cannot lie and pretend it's not something that I question. And if, if any um, avid church goes going to look at me and say, how dare you question God? I say, how dare you ask me how you question God? You have to question God sometimes. And he, if, if you don't question him, you won't get the answers. He won't provide the answers for you right and he wants us to be aware and understand so yes but you know i feel for the family may they find peace and comfort ceasefire between palestinians and israel takes effect in gaza a ceasefire between israel and palestinian militants took effect late sunday in a bid to end nearly three days of violence that killed dozens of palestinians and disrupted the lives of hundreds of thousands of israelis the flare-up was the worst fighting between israel and gaza militant groups since israel and hamas fought an 11-day war last year and adds to the destruction and misery that have plagued block added or blockaded Gaza, sorry, for years. The Egyptian brokered ceasefire took effect at 11.30 p.m., which is uh, 4.30 p.m. GMT. Israeli strikes and militant rockets continued in the minutes leading up to the beginning of the truce, and Israel, and Israel said it would respond strongly if the ceasefire was violated. Israeli aircraft have pummeled targets in Gaza since Friday, while the Iran-backed Palestinian Jihad militant group has fired hundreds of rockets at Israel in response. The risk of the cross-border fighting turning into a full-fledged war remained as long as no truce was reached. Israel says some of the dead were killed by misfired rockets. Every time I read stories about Gaza, Israel, Palestine... That area, I have to remind myself, don't get too wrapped up in it. Because the Bible says there will be war in that region until the end of time. Yeah, sounds a bit harsh, but, you know, will it ever end? Because ever since I was a child, there have been problems, and I don't foresee the problems ending anytime soon. And at the base of it, I believe it's a religious war. Shift in war's front seen as ships cleared to leave Ukraine. Four more ships carrying agricultural cargo 
held up by the war in Ukraine, received authorization on Sunday to leave the country's Black Sea coast as analysts warned that Russia was moving troops and equipment in the direction of the ports to stave off a Ukrainian counteroffensive. The body overseeing an international deal intended to get some 20 million tons of grain out of Ukraine and to field, feed millions of impoverished people who are going hungry in Africa, the Middle East, and parts of Asia, said the loaded vessels were cleared to depart from Chornomorsk and Odessa. Ukraine, Russia, Turkey, and the United Nations signed agreements last month to create a sea channel that would allow cargo ships to travel safely out of ports that Russia's military had blockaded and through waters that Ukraine's military had mined. Implementation of the deal, which is in effect for four months, has proceeded slowly since the first ship embarked last Monday. For the last four months of the war, Russia has concentrated on capturing the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine, where pro-Moscow separatists have controlled some territory as self-proclaimed republics for eight years. Russian forces have made gradual headway in the region bordering Russia while launching missile and rocket attacks to curtail the movements of Ukrainian fighters elsewhere. So I'm happy that they're able to leave because, yes, people need to get the, the, the wheat. But I, I have to go off on a sidebar for a moment. So yesterday, you know, we said, okay, what are we going to do for dinner? The decision the children said they wanted spaghetti and meatballs some wanted spaghetti subs okay fine so marlon goes to the supermarket with the two younger boys this is what they pick up some cuban bread a long one of the long baguettes um now they had buy one get one free on parmesan cheese so picked up that uh buy one get one free on pasta sauce picked up that picked up um a package of mozzarella cheese four packages of pre-made meatballs yes semi-homemade yes you know wasn't rolling up any meatballs yesterday because i was very busy yesterday working um so it was meatballs some fruit bananas some bananas, the organic bananas, um, some mandarins, tangerine. I don't know why they call them mandarins, tangerines. Uh, what else did we, he pick up? I don't think it was even five bags. I don't even think it was four bags, right? So after putting away the things, oh, and no, 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 that, no, no, but that wasn't on the list. So after putting away the things, he turns to me and he says, would you believe that that came to $95? I'm like, what $95? Where $95? Where? What did you pay for? What did you pay $95 for? We haven't even gone to the grocery yet. You know, we haven't gone to the wholesale. We haven't done the typical grocery shopping that would have been done this weekend. Yeah, we haven't done it yet. I'm like, where? Where is $95? Marlon quit joking. That, that's, that's my thing. And he's like, no, I'm not joking. $95. And you haven't seen the food yet. You don't see it. It has disappeared. What are we going to do? 
how and I'm, I'm looking and this morning I'm dropping son number three off at football practice, right? And in just having a conversation with him and I said, you know, in life we have to really be compassionate because people are under a lot of stress. And I said to him, no matter how bad we think we have it, there are people who have it worse. And I said to him, there are people who would wish they have even a quarter, just a quarter of what we have. We don't have much, but we still have a lot in comparison to others. And I had to put it in perspective. I say, you know something? When you see people angry or snapping or frustrated, be compassionate because the people are dealing with a lot. Paychecks aren't going up. Paychecks are stagnant. But the cost of living has doubled and tripled. And people are trying to figure out how to do just one basic thing, feed their families. And he said, yes, mommy, I get it. $95. And I don't know what $95 was spent on. And I have what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday. I have to make sure food is in the house. When are we going to get some help in, in the U.S.? And, and, and it's not, and I don't want anybody to tell me, oh, we're looking for handouts. No, we're not looking for handouts. There are people who were able to survive, who can't survive anymore. So it's not low-income people alone who are feeling it. It's everybody. The middle class have become the lower class. Those who were upper middle class, ah, now you are lower middle class. Lower middle class, you've been shifted down. Everybody is feeling it. It's back to school. So amidst the, the gas prices, which they say have come down, well, if they have come down, can we see it reflect on the, on the shelves of the supermarket? When we go into the stores, it's back to school. Thankfully, the only thing I'm, I have to concern myself with is uniform. Uniforms and um, no, I also have shoes for them to go back to school. School supplies, we got that. But the expense, it's not easy. And yet we're able to pick up billions of dollars and send to Ukraine to pay salaries. And I get it. We have to help out. Yeah, I get it. But what about us here? Can we have some sort of break? Please, please. We need a break. And I don't think we're asking for much. I think the federal government should be sending out checks to everybody, even if it's $100 a week. Even if you don't want to do it per person, per family, just do $100 per week to every family, even single people feeling it. Everybody's crying. Everybody's buckling. If you can send everybody $100 a week, it will make a difference. It's hard. People are juggling credit cards. Yes, it's rough. It is rough. So 
we still have to be grateful for the little that we do have because it could be a whole lot worse. And it's time for us to take another quick music break. Here's some more soca to take our mind off of the reality and the stress. Fighting. All right, Bungie, let's go.
got to say Them ask the most questions Where you from? Where you going? Who are your mother? When last you been home? Mind your funky business Mind your funky business Leave me alone When you see me, leave me alone hey. Mind your funky business Mind your funky business Just leave me alone When you see me, leave me alone hey. Wait, wait, wait Who you fucking? Any boy for birds, right? Nah, here we go When you see me All our listeners logged on to the quality music zone, QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. And moments with me, you're listening to Coffee in Tow, world news on the go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Coming up, we have details of stories out of North America. Keep it locked. Them will talk you any time of day. Hey, you do good, them talking you. You do bad, them talking you. Them never have nothing good to say. Them ask the most questions. Where you from? Today is the last day to enter for a chance to win $5,000 in a gift certificate. Redeemable at Fontana Pharmacy. Eligible people are only residents of Jamaica. To get a chance to win, you got to go on Instagram. You have to follow Jano Radio, J-A-H-K-N-O. And you have to, in the comments, you know, tag someone. But you also have to mention the hashtags J-A-H-K-N-O and J-A-H-K-N-O radio. You have until 11.59 p.m. tonight to enter for a chance. And, you know, I think everybody can do with a $5,000 gift certificate. Remember, redeemable at Fontana Pharmacy. Now it's time for us to get into the details of stories out of North America. A man wanted for killing four people across multiple crime scenes in Ohio on Friday has been taken into custody in Kansas, police announced on Saturday. On Friday, Stephen Marlowe, 39, was charged with four counts of aggravated murder. However, he wasn't captured until around 10 p.m. on Saturday after going on the run. He is now awaiting extradition by local authorities. Marlowe, who was considered armed and dangerous, fatally shot four people in the Dayton area. Eva and Clyde Knox were found dead in their home, and Sarah Anderson and her 15-year-old daughter were discovered a short time later. 
Marlowe then fled the area in a white 2007 Ford Edge SUV. The, the suspect was subsequently placed on the FBI's most wanted list. We're working to determine if there is any motive to this horrible tragedy or if mental illness played any role, Butler Township Police Chief John Porter said. He said this is the neighborhood's first violent crime in recent memory. Marlowe had recently got off probation in February of 2020 for a conviction of aggravated robbery and aggravated menacing. Those charges came from an incident that occurred in a Dayton area suburb in July of 2019. A smash and grab in Bronx carried out against a jewelry store Friday netted the thieves more than $2.15 million in diamond jewels. The brazen robbery carried out in broad daylight at Rocco's Jewelry was captured on surveillance video. The footage shows a suspect in a white t-shirt, jeans, and baseball cap acting like a customer. When a manager buzzes him into the locked store, three people dressed in black and wearing masks run into the store. They immediately began smashing the glass cases and grabbing what they could. Once inside the store, the three individuals used a hammer to smash open the display cases and removed a large amount of high-end diamond jewelry. The entire time the crew is inside, the suspect in the white t-shirt remains by the door as a lookout. The men quickly threw the jewelry into bags and then fled the store on foot. Police said they ran south on Webster Avenue. NYPD believes the crew may be linked to other similar robberies that have occurred in the Bronx and Brooklyn. The retail burglaries date back to February. Anyone with information regarding thefts is asked to call NYPD Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. We're living in desperate times, folks. Um, yeah. Indiana is now the first state to pass a near-total abortion following the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb signed the bill Friday evening after the state's House and Senate pushed it through earlier that day. The House then advanced the bill 6238 before the Republican-led state Senate approved it 28-19, to the Associated Press is reporting. The new legislation, which will go into effect September 15th, does provide some exceptions in some cases of rape or incest when there is a fatal fetal abnormality or when the pregnant individual faces certain health risks. However, under the new law, those abortions are to be performed only in hospitals or outpatient centers owned by hospitals. And this is according to a report from People. These actions followed long days of hearings filled with sobering and personal testimony from citizens and elected representatives on this emotional and complex topic. Holcomb, who is 54, said in a released statement. Ultimately, those voices shaped and informed the final contents of the legislation and its carefully negotiated exceptions to address some of the unthinkable Thinkable circumstances a woman or unborn child might face. Indiana was one of the first Republican-led state legislators to fight for tighter abortion rulings 
following the U.S. Supreme Court overturn of the Roe v. Wade. West Virginia lawmakers came close to becoming the first to pass an abortion ban late last month, but the state currently remains in limbo, with the two chambers of the legislature failing to agree on how the bill should move forward. The 6-3 ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade changed the nearly 50 years of precedence that protected reproductive rights by giving individual states the power to decide whether to allow the procedure to be banned or not. And of course, I think everybody by now knows my concern where this is concerned. Now, in this particular article, um, the new legislation will go into effect September 15th. Okay, it does provide some exceptions, and these are the exceptions that are being provided. In some cases of rape or incest. And what are those some cases? When there is a fatal fetal abnormality. So, if you are pregnant because of rape or incest and there is no fatal fetal abnormality, meaning the pregnancy is healthy, the fetus is healthy, sorry, the pregnancy is progressing as should, you're going to have to have that child. Or when the pregnant individual faces certain health risks. Now, what do they consider a health risk? I don't know. We're going to have to dig into this um, article to see exactly what they, the legislators, consider a health risk. You can, if you have been raped, if your wife is raped, if your girlfriend is raped, if your child is raped, and as long as that fetus is healthy, they have to have that child. We don't care. You're having that child. If your father rapes you, your brother rapes, and yes, I'm classifying that as rape. If your father, your brother, your uncle, your cousin, any of them rape you and you get pregnant and that pregnancy is normal, there is no fatal, fetal abnormality, you're having that child. I'm sorry, you have to have that child. I don't care. You have to have the child. Not until things are at someone's doorstep will they understand the implications of their decisions. Not until they are faced with having to make a decision that will, that is the only time they will realize what have we done. But as we said, and we've said this several times, and many people have said it, putting a ban does not stop the procedure from happening. It's still going to happen. It is still going to happen. It's just how it's going to happen. They've been trying since the beginning of time to get rid of prostitution. It ain't going anywhere. The oldest profession on the books, it's not going anywhere. You lock up people, no matter what you do, 
it's going to continue. Well, abortion is the same thing. It's just how it's going to be done. Well, this is something someone should have thought about before killing an innocent black man. According to court documents, one of the men found guilty of killing Ahmaud Aubrey fares being killed in state prison. In November 2021, Travis Michael and his father Greg and their neighbor William Roddy Bryan were found guilty in the February 2024 fatal shooting of Aubrey. The Matt Michaels received a sentence of life, pris- of life in prison without the possibility of parole. Brian received a life sentence with the possibility of parole. They were also found guilty of federal hate crime charges and will face sentencing for that next week. Travis Matt Michaels' attorney, Amy Lee Copeland, filed a memorandum on Thursday in federal court asking for him to remain in the physical custody of the federal government because apparently he is afraid he will be killed once in the Georgia state prison system. This is according to a report from CNN. McMichael has been detained at the Glynn County Detention Center since he was arrested in May 2020, according to the memo, and has since received threats that people are waiting for him and that he should not go into the yard. He was also told that correctional officers have promised a willingness, whether for pay or for free, to keep certain doors unlocked and backs turned to allow inmates to harm him. His concern is that he will promptly be killed upon delivery to the state prison system for service of that sentence. He has received numerous threats of death that are credible in light of all circumstances, and the government has a pending investigation into the Georgia's uh, DOC's ability to keep inmates safe in a system where murder rates have tripled, the memo continued. It also claims Matt Michael has received hundreds of threats and quit counting in January 2022 at around 800 threats. Along with the concerns for his safety, the memo also cites the government's investigation into the violence, right, um, of the Georgia State Prison as reasons that he should remain in the physical custody of the federal government. Aubrey's family has objected to the killer's serving time in federal instead of state prison. <laughs> Isn't it funny? A murderer has, didn't think twice about murdering somebody. But now they worry about being murdered. You hunted down Aubrey as if he were some animal. Because you didn't think he belonged in that neighborhood. He had no right running in that neighborhood. He had no right going into a house, which I know I've done, that is under construction to look around. He had no right. You took away his right. A right granted to him, the mere fact that he was born, the right to live. You took away his right to live, his freedom to live. You took it away. And now you are worried that if you go and serve your time in the Georgia state prison system, you're going to be killed. Oh, now you're worried? You didn't worry about Aubrey. 
No, you did not. You colluded with your friends and laughed and snickered and jeered as he was killed, recorded him, and you had no problem with that. Oh, but your life is more valuable. I see. His life meant nothing, but your life is so valuable that you need protection. And then the audacity of the FBI going to look into threats, look into what's going on. Sit your asses down, FBI. Can we use our deal, um, state money and government money <laughs> some other way? You're going to investigate what? To protect him in there? President Joe Biden and the First Lady are expected to join Governor Andy Bashir and his wife, Brittany, as they meet with families and view damage from storms that have created the worst flooding in Kentucky's history. At least 37 people have died since last month's deluge, which dropped 8 to 10.5 inches of rain in only 48 hours. The National Weather Service on Sundays uh, said that flooding remains a threat, warning of more thunderstorms through Thursday. Monday's visit will be Biden's second to the state. He previously visited in December after tornadoes whipped through Kentucky, killing 77 people and leaving a trail of destruction. I read somewhere where, um, or was it the same article? I think where uh, they're wondering why they are being bombarded with so many um, issues as it relates to whether they're frustrated, they don't know why, why them. Yeah. I feel it. I wish I could. Oh, Bashir said recently, here it is, I found the comment. I wish I could tell you why areas where people may not have much continue to get hit and lose everything. I can't give you the why, but I know what we do in response to it. And the answer is everything we can. These are our people. Let's make sure we help them out. Can't explain why, but I tell you this much, climate change is real. At least 68 migrants arrived in NYC over the weekend on buses sent by Texas Governor Abbott. New York Mayor Eric Adams has claimed that some migrants are being forced on buses from Texas. As 14 more asylum seekers arrived in the city Sunday, on another bus sent by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. 54 asylum seekers arrived in New York on Friday on board a bus from Texas, according to the Mayor's Office of Immigrant Affairs. Abbott's office indicated that New York is now a designated drop-off location for the busing strategy as part of the governor's response to the Biden administration's excuse me, open border policies overwhelming Texas communities. According to a statement released Friday announcing the arrival of the first bus, it's unimaginable what the governor in Texas has done, Adams told reporters on Sunday. When you think about this country, a country that has always been open to those who were fleeing persecution and other intolerable conditions, we've always welcomed that. And this governor is not doing that in Texas, but we're going to set the message right, the right tone of being here for these families. A fierce critic of Biden administration's immigration policies, Abbott began sending hundreds of 
willing migrants on buses to Washington, D.C. earlier this year as an affront to the administration. Abbott's office has said that to board a bus or flight, a migrant must volunteer to be transported and show documentation from DHS. More than 5,100 migrants have arrived in Washington from Texas on more than 135 buses. According to the governor's office, Manuel Castro, commissioner of the mayor's immigrant affairs office, told CNN New York it is a right to shelter city, that is New York, so anyone who needs shelter may receive it. However, the city has exhausted its regular shelter space, so it has leased additional space at hotels. These are families. These are people, Castro said. They have a right to be here as asylum seekers, and New York is here to welcome them. They frankly need a lot of support. They've traveled a long way to get here. Generally, once migrants are processed by federal authorities and released from custody, they are allowed to move throughout the country while they go through immigration court proceedings. They are often released in Texas and other border states and then continue to journeys or continue on journeys to other parts of the country. An immigration judge will ultimately decide if they are allowed to remain in the U.S. or be deported. Forgive me for what I'm about to say or not, but I'm here chuckling on the inside as I'm reading the article, and here is why. Keep letting them in. Please do. As a, but I don't know why they're sending them to New York. Those southern states, they should be entitled to those southern states, if you ask me. And there's a lot of land in those southern states. So why are you sending them to crowded New York? New York is already bursting at the seams, right? People are already living on top of people. They may have to do what they're planning to do in the, is it um, Dubai? Somewhere over there in the Middle East it's the United Arab Emirates somewhere, one of those countries, they're planning to build cities a little differently, right? So they're, they're making them linear. Um, and it's like you're living within walls that are some hundreds of miles long and you don't have to leave. You don't need a car. Uh, there'll be trains on the inside. I saw the design of it and I was like, wow, this is truly forward thinking. Kind of like a movie. You, you know, you're watching one of those um, sci-fi movies, but that's the concept. And the, the reason behind it is not to take up as much land space, right? Uh, so what would normally be spread out, think of putting New York in a building that is, say, 600 feet wide by some how many feet long yeah you create more space the, the, the ultimate goal is creating more space or using less land mass all right but that may be what they'll have to do in new york soon something of that nature but anyway there's a lot of land in this country a lot of land and a lot of land in texas right javette a lot of land down there you have nevada there's Colorado, uh, which other state? New Mexico. I think California is a little crowded. I'm not sure. Probably South California. Northern California may have space. But you are in a state, the state of Texas, that was once a part of Mexico, Mexico, right? And you feel you own the state, that you're busing people out. Oh, you don't want them there? 
wow but you know what bring them in they called what i see happening is the reclaiming of a country <laughs> that's what i see happening the reclaiming of a country that was never yours to begin with and i'm gonna leave it right there Yeah. Authorities are investigating whether the killings of four Muslim men are connected. Uh, yeah, they need help finding a vehicle believed to be connected to the deaths in the New Mexico's largest city. Albuquerque police said they released photos of the vehicle suspected of being used in the four homicides, hoping people could help identify the car. Police said the vehicle sought is a dark gray or silver four door Volkswagen with dark tinted windows and appears to be a Jetta. Police did not say where the images were taken or what led them to suspect the car was involved in any of the crimes. Police are still trying to determine if there are any connections among the killings. A Muslim man was killed Friday night in Albuquerque and ambush shootings killed three Muslim men over the past nine months. Police said Saturday that the victim in the latest killing was a Muslim from South Asia who is believed to be in his mid-twenties. The man, whose identity has not yet been confirmed by investigators, was found dead after police received a call of a shooting. Earlier this week, police confirmed that local detectives and federal law enforcement officers were looking for possible ties among the separate crimes. Two of the men... Mohammed Abzal Hussein, 27, and Aftab Hussein, 41, were killed in the past week, and both were from Pakistan and members of the same mosque. The third case involves the November killing of Mohammed Ahmadi, 62, a Muslim man of South Asian descent. Police declined to say whether Friday night's homicide was carried out in a similar way to the other deaths. Authorities said they can't say yet if the shootings were hate crimes, until they have identified a suspect and can determine a motive. Uh, well, I, I, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to say this. I think it's a hate crime. Why would ambush style killing? Ambush, doesn't that mean that you're like hiding and killing these people from unsuspecting points? That That's what I think an ambush is. Am I right or am I wrong? I don't know. Uh... So let me make sure I have my it, my interpretation of ambush style correct. Let me just make sure. I don't want to. Um, yeah, let me see here. Ambush. A surprise attack by people lying in wait in a concealed position. A surprise attack by people lying in wait in a concealed position. So if based on that dictionary definition thank you google there were targets muslims sounds like hate crime to me that's all i'm gonna say gonna take another quick soca music break and when we return it is business and tech news and health and science news keep it locked <laughs> Baby, tell me for real Would you come over let we do this for real? 
feel The way you whining, whining, girl, you make me feel like You may want steal like You may want deal like You got the appeal Tell me for real Would you come over, let me do this for real The way you whining, whining, girl, you make me feel like You may want steal like You may want deal like You got the appeal Action now, no talking. Action, yo, no talking. Action, we want, we not waiting. Too long, we contemplating. Action now, no talking. Action, yo, no talking. Action, we want, we not waiting. Too long, we contemplating. Fed up, talk on the mobile. Can't make love on your profile. Let me connect like the internet and we'll get so wild. You know you want it in, cause the loving I bring on your against to those sides. My loving run distance like a million miles. Baby, tell me for real. Would you come over, let me do this for real? The way you're whining, whining, girl, you make me feel like. You may want steal like. You may want deal like. You got the appeal. Tell me for real. Would you come over, let me do this for real? The way you're whining, whining, girl, you make me feel like, you may want to see like, you may want to like, you got the appeal. Action now, no talking, action now, no talking, action we want, we not waiting, too long we contemplating. Action now, no talking, action now, no talking, action we want, we not waiting, too long we contemplating. Back and down. With all of you. 
Logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. It's the place to go to for quality music while you work or play. It will definitely help you get through your day. Thank you to our listeners on JanoRadio.com. Don't forget to download that app, Jano Radio, J-A-H-K-N-O. Available in, in your Apple and Google Play stores so you can definitely take us on the go. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee in Tow World News on the Go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. Where I read the news and we share our views. I'm struggling today, right? I'm a little out of breath today because I'm dancing in between. Soca music has me moving. <laughs> and I'm here sweating too. Yeah, feels good. Get the blood pumping. Great way to start the day. Keep it locked. Don't you dare move. We have business and tech news coming up right after this. All right, and it's time for us to get back to business. Can't be all party, right? So, okay, Soka, we, we're not doing you right now. We're not doing, I think Soka is saying less news, more music. The world is crazy enough. Nothing going to change. Let's just dance and have fun. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> But we have some more music later on. Now it's time for us to get into the details of business and tech news. How Biden's big win in the Senate could change America and reshape his fortunes, CNN is reporting. If the U.S. House soon passes the Senate's landmark climate change and health care bill, it will help validate the Democrats' monopoly on political power in Washington and hand Joe Biden a notable presidential legacy ahead of November's midterm elections. The measure, finally squeezed through the Senate after an exhausting and dramatic round-the-clock marathon that stretched into Sunday afternoon. A major breakthrough following months of Democratic infighting that gouged deep divides in the party. The Inflation Reduction Act, 
may not live up to its name and cut the cost of living. It dashed some big dreams of progressives who wanted it to do more. And its final passage may come too late to save Democrats in the midterms. But it's still an enormous win for the party that seemed impossible just weeks ago. In a goal Democrats have been chasing for decades, the legislation will, for the first time, give Medicare the power to negotiate the cost of a limited basket of prescription drugs, thereby bringing down costs. In extending Affordable Care Act subsidies, it could save health care coverage for countless people. And in spending nearly $370 billion to reduce emissions that contribute to climate change, it goes most of the way to reaching Biden's ambitious plans to create a clean energy economy. The bill could also help revive U.S. global leadership in the quest to save the planet. The victory is all the more remarkable since it was achieved against vehement GOP opposition in the 50-50 Senate, where Democrats had no room for error. Democrats spent months negotiating with themselves as moderate senators like West Virginia's Joe Manchin and Arizona's Kristen Sinema extracted concessions that progressives had little choice but to accept to save the bill. Cole State Senator Manchin revived the measure against reversing his opposition late last month and agreeing to a clean energy push in return for concessions on fossil fuels. At times, Biden was in the weeds trying to get his major chunk of this domestic agenda enacted. The credibility of his presidency depended on overcoming the obstacles to significant economy-changing legislation. But in recent weeks, saddled by plunging approval ratings, he let the Senate work its will and accepted a final result that fell far short of his original aspirations for a Franklin Roosevelt-style transformation. The Senate finally passed it, with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie shortly after Biden emerged from the White House from his second COVID isolation. All major new laws are judged in multiple ways on their impact on the lives of Americans, on how they shift the political environment, and how they appear in retrospect, many years down the road in history's ledger. So even if Democrats' achievement may not be rewarded at the ballot box anytime soon, it might not go without notice in the long term. Uh, so a couple of things I'm things I'm going to throw out as I'm reading the last part here. So even if Democrats' achievement may not be rewarded at the ballot box anytime soon, it might not go without notice in the long term. So I'm remembering a conversation we had here on Coffee and Tone. I can't remember exactly who said it. I have an idea, but I'm, I don't want to misquote anyone. But um, I remember the essence of what was being said was the votes we cast today, we may not necessarily see the impact right away, but it will happen later on. And usually when it comes into effect or, you know, when everything gets rolled out, it usually happens when the opposing party 
has control or is in the administration right so here too is another one that we will not see it roll out immediately but in the long term it's when is when it's going to take effect so it is very easy then for us to see things happen when the republicans are in power and feel it is their doing i'm just here you know thinking this through and that's what i'm realizing so a lot of times we when the republicans are in is it safe to say then that it's their agenda that's being um or they're able to push through certain things or is it that they're able to get it done because it's a continuance of something that was started with the with the democrats i i don't know am i making sense i'm just trying to rationalize and figure something out here all right um that's number one number two i think it's going to take more than this bill uh i honestly feel so to secure the democrats in november we have something looming over our heads which is gonna come due august 31st right now we're not sure what's going on because we're yet to hear about a final decision and this is in light of student loans understand you're you have to be how old to be able to vote is it 18 18 is the vote the eight of the age of consent to vote if i'm not mistaken let me just double check because i don't want to pass out wrong information okay hold on hold on here hold on bear with me 18 okay so according to the 26th amendment the right to vote happens at the age of 18 years old right so you're talking about affecting a a, gener- a group of people a demographic 18 to let's say 32 and i believe the democrats need th- that that demographic they need that demographic they really do they are more aware now they're more educated now as it relates to voting and they're paying more attention to politics and economics so we don't want to feel as though this bill as it relates to climate change and health care is going to be the securing factor in the midterms no we need to talk about the current state of the economy and what is going to be done to make it affordable for us to survive because right now we're all struggling some more than others how are we going to fix that so that people's paychecks can go further and we need to also address student loans we need to hear a conversation november is around the corner today is august 8th right september october boom we have three months we need to hear something concrete that will help that age group make a better decision i'm not saying they're going to vote democrat but the likelihood is there that they may if those concerns are addressed talking about the economy 
It's ridiculous here in South Florida. The prices of houses, ridiculous. The bidding wars, ridiculous. Yesterday, I'm here scratching my head. How, how, how is it that it's so expensive to live in California and Florida, but yet the states in between, like Nevada, um, Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, it's not that expensive. What is it that it's making California and Florida so ridiculously expensive? What is it? Can be just the weather. What are the other contributing factors? New York is ridiculously expensive. I don't know how. And I thought New York was worse than Florida. But now it seems as though Florida has surpassed New York. I don't know. There was a time when people could sell their homes in New York, come to Florida, purchase a home, and have change. Now it's a swap. Or you may be coming down here and uh, have to, you know, owe something. People used to look forward to paying off their uh, mortgages in New York and then sell and say, okay, let me head south. Now they can't do it. Although you may have purchased a home for 250000 by the time you finish paying for it, you, you've paid 750000 for the house anyway. Um, but yeah, how is it? I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And what are governors doing to, to put a cap on the housing market? The prices that builders are asking for. It's ridiculous. It's truly ridiculous. And then, of course, majority of the homes being built now are in gated communities. So you have to pay that association fee. And if you don't pay that association fee, we know what can happen. Liens can be put on your home. Your home can be taken from you if you don't pay your association dues. What are we doing? Rent for a matchbox is ridiculous. The salary in Florida is not much. So you're able to pay your rent, or are you? And, you know, jokingly, yesterday, having a conversation with Marlon, he said, you can't knock people for what I'm after to do. You really can't. Because people need somewhere to live. The rent is $3,000 almost for one or two bedroom. Just to live in a decent neighborhood, not an upscale neighborhood, a decent neighborhood where you, you don't have to hear bullets going off or this, the sounds of sirens going off every minute, right? A decent neighborhood, reasonable. How does a single person do it? You have rent, you have car payment, you have car insurance, you have electricity, your phone, your cable. How are people, how, how is, what, what, Wow. Wow. So I, I say this to young folks. When you meet somebody and they say they live at home with their mother, 
you better change your mindset and embrace that person because they're smart or they live at home with their parents. They're smart because it allows them to be able to see their way better. This thing of saying, oh, I don't want you because you live with your mother. No. Or you live with your parents. You better change that train of thought. And I will say to a man, if a woman don't want you because you live at home with your parents, bye-bye real quick on them because they want to see you bankrupt. They're not looking at it and saying, okay, he's at home. He's helping out with the bills there, which allows him to be able to save towards some goal, you know, probably home ownership one day or a business. You know what? Ladies, let's change the way of thinking. Let's change this way of thinking. That man live at home, celebrate him, encourage him, say, yes, you better stay there until, you know, and if you're serious about pursuing that relationship, encourage him to stay there. And you probably need to take your ass home to your parents too. I'm, I'm sorry. If you can. Right. It's rough out here in these streets. It's really rough. In Health and Science News, top scientist admits space telescope image was actually a slice of chorizo. For those who don't know, chorizo is a, it's like a Spanish sausage. Looks similar to pepperoni when you slice it up real thin, right? You can use it on pizza. It's a little salty. A French scientist has apologized after tweeting a photo of a slice of chorizo, claiming it was an image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Etienne Klein, a celebrated physicist and director at France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission, shared the image of the spicy sauce Spanish sausage on Twitter last week, praising the level of detail it provided. Picture of Proxima Centauri, the nearest star to the sun, located 4.2 light years away from us. It was taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. This level of detail. A new world is unveiled every day, he told his more than 91,000 followers on Sunday. The post was retweeted and commented upon by thousands of users who took the scientist by his word. Things, however, were not quite as they seemed. On Wednesday, Klein apologized for the hoax, saying his intention was to urge caution regarding images that seem to speak for themselves. In a bid to make amends, he posted an image of the spectacular cartwheel galaxy, assuring followers that this time the photo was genuine. The Webb Telescope, the most powerful telescope ever launched into space, officially began scientific operations on July 12. It will be able to pair inside the atmospheres of exoplanets and observe some of the first galaxies created after the universe began by viewing them through infrared light, which is invisible to the human eye. <sighs> so it leads me to ask this question. <laughs> how much of what we're told is true how much of what is presented to us 
is true. How much of what is validated by scientists and geologists and historians is actually true? Because here it is, a celebrated physicist and director at France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission posting a slice of chorizo saying that it was a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope and we edit up literally you know some years ago somebody said to me they don't think the trip to the moon was real there are people who don't believe a lot of things now I am somewhat having to squint with one eye open one eye closed and I'm wondering is anything true anymore for you to mislead a group of people like this talking about the level of detail it provided a slice of chorizo really a new world is unveiled go ahead javette he really should be brought up on some type of charges. That's that frackinacle. Morning, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, but but remember, it's been said for years that that the walk on the moon was like a green screen type of thing. Remember that, like I heard it and I dispelled it. Yeah, no, people. A lot of people don't still don't believe it, and I, I you can't blame people because. You know, like in modern times, like we, we've seen the, the government ability to like trick people. You know, so when when people, a lot of people don't believe it. And all of those people were con considered as like conspiracy theorists, like, um, you know, crazy people. You can't listen to those because it's always the same type of people. Right. Like, yeah, you always you always have like Rastafarians were one of the, the, the groups that didn't believe in it. You have um, some some of those you know American groups you know the the, the off the grid type of people you know the, the the off the grid type of vegan that don't believe in anything or whatever like they're part of the group that never believe that type of stuff right and and they're labeled as crazy because of how they live right you know you, you go off the grid so you have to be crazy and in in years it's been proven that government can be trusted. Like the FDA, the FDA use their power and endorse a lot of stuff. And after a while, you hear that, okay, this caused cancer or this is not good after the fact, right? So how do you believe people now? Who do you believe? When do you believe? Like even with food, like I tell people, like with, 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 with the, the FDA, you have to be careful. Don't, don't even follow the FDA because they have an agenda, right? You know, they endorse like... I remember one time, remember the whole turkey and Thanksgiving thing? <laughs> like, turkey and Thanksgiving is because nobody would touch turkey, and then they endorse it, and all of a sudden, everybody's crazy about um, smoked turkey during Thanksgiving and Christmas now. And whenever they see something that's not going or according to what they want, or, or, or they get, like, they get some money from some companies that tip them off, 
the FDA just come out and, and endorse certain things like and every couple of years there's something that's been endorsed. Um soy milk one time, they say like soy milk is this, and all of a sudden years soy milk is not good for you anymore. You know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. So you don't know what to believe. James, I honestly don't know anymore. Because you're right, we're trusting these people to disseminate information, right? That is supposed to guide us. Information that we're supposed to trust. Plain and simple. Trust. So this remember last week when I asked who calculates this? How do they calculate this light years? Remember when I asked that last week? Does light years even exist? This theory about billions of years ago, does that even exist? When now they dig up skeletons and tell you, oh, this skeleton is 2 billion years old. Is that even true? Do we trust? Do you trust your head? If you don't believe it, I saw it go. Huh? Say it again, Marlon. If what? No, you trust your instinct because they've been lying to us for years. And, and the problem is with us humans, we are too gullible. And we are too quick to believe. And, and when these supposed to be scientists or doctors or whatever tell us things, and we we suck it up so easily because they easily influence us to 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 for them for we just you know to suck it up easy. And that's a problem. And just just to get off a little bit, that's what they did with the Bible. They. They took it and put it in their own way for us to believe it. We 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 need to do our own researches and stop listening to these scientists and people who's telling us stuff because their job is to lead us down the wrong path for us to believe them so we can go buy this or do this or do this and you know that's that's their job. They they study that so they could control us. And that, and that's the job of all every doctors, scientists, the the whole government system is to control us. And majority of us who who's been controlled is less fortunate people. We are the one who they can control easily. So we need to stop. Sometimes just stop and stop listening to some of these people because they're all full of crap. So. Uh, we just have to do our own researches. We have to start doing our own little things and, you know, just open up our third eye. Just start just start doing other things on our own and stop listening to this people because they they've been lying to us for decades, millions and you know, for you to come out and say this now, this is how to show you how stupid we are. Yep. That this part. we are so stupid to listen to these people. And also, that's all. It had to happen, Marlon. You're right. So we should be grateful that this actually happened. A French scientist has apologized after tweeting a photo of a slice of chorizo, claiming it was an image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, he is teaching us 
inadvertently, not to be so gullible, not to take everything at face value. That is, he is really, and guess what? It's called Picture of Proxima Centauri, the nearest star to the sun, located 4.2 light years away from us. And not Nagoso. Fake. He put this out here. An acclaimed scientist, celebrated physicist, director at France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission. You're right, Marlon. We are sheeple. And we have been sheeple because we have failed to tap into our intuition, failed to rely or probably not rely, but probably trust our instincts. Lazy. Those of us who have been lazy have been misled. But remember, when you, all of us get that gut feeling about some things and we don't follow it and we need to start following our gut feeling. Majority of the time, you get a gut feeling about something, it's not right. You know, and we just push it to the side and like, now nah, I'm going to listen to this person. But most of the time, we need to listen to our gut. It, it, it's, it's telling us something. Yeah. We, are, we, are, we all got it. Every one of us got it inside of us. We just don't know how to use it or we just ignore it. We don't know how to use it, Marla, because we're taught, we're taught to rely on technology. So I have a little pushback. Go ahead, Javette. <laughs> one thing, I don't think it's stupidity. I think we are unaware of things that we don't control, right? Um, a scientist that supposedly has the finances and the cash to use a telescope that none of us would probably ever be able to touch in our lifetimes, right? So you have to assume that the information that he's giving you when it comes to outer space is correct. I don't see that as stupidity. Now, if it was something that is within our wheelhouse that we're able to go and fact check, and then we check the facts and still want to believe in what is being said, i.e. the last president, then you can call someone stupid. So that's just my little pushback. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, Javette. So probably stupid is not the right word for us to use, right? We're definitely gullible. And yes, you're right. Now, my question now, Javed, <laughs> does this telescope even really exist? That is a question to ask. And whenever you're faced with someone giving you a so-called fact, if you're able to fact check that, you should. If you don't, then yes you could be called gullible or whatever other word you may want to use to describe the person that does not check things for themselves. 
And here's the thing, Javette. They know we are not able to fact check a lot of things. They know that. They know. Because unfortunately, we are limited in scope in what we have access to. They know. And because they know this, they take advantage of us. And to our detriment, unfortunately. And this, <laughs> while I applaud Sans, because yes, we need Sans, and Sans has been able to prove certain things, so to physics. We need to stop putting these people on pedestals. And we need to stop feeling that because they have this title, that they know more than the person. I, 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 let us look at a Native American, for example, who relies on nature and gut instincts and the animals, right? To make decisions that are usually right. It's so sad. And yes, uh, while it's terrible what he did and he needs to be held accountable for it, I thank him. I thank him for doing it because it's an eye-opening moment for all of us to understand that, hey, 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 listen. Take the time to process whatever it is that you're told Think it through. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to challenge theories. And nothing going to happen to him. Um, He's just going to keep doing it. You know, probably sit back for a little bit and then come back later on. But I don't think he's going to go to jail. He's not going to get prosecuted. Nothing going to happen. Because remember, too, just like him, there's a lot more out there. And yes, Miss Javette, I'm sorry uh, to call people stupid because everybody's not stupid, but <laughs> that's the only word I could come up with this early in the morning. So, but. Oh, no, I don't, I don't have no, yeah, I don't have no big thing with what you said. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know. You know, but. Uh, give a little pushback. That's it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I like the pushback, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, that's that's that. Yeah. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know what's interesting to like, as I said, like the, some of the people with the knowledge, like you know, as I was talking about last week with some of those um, African village where they they have like those um, chief and those people, um, Griot or what whatever they call him in Africa, um, that have the real knowledge. Yeah. These people, these people are are even even with us. We have to we have to take responsibility too, because even with us, we look at them as like ah like this Asian crazy pe person or whatever. Yes. And and some of them have the real knowledge because you know I I'm remembering now you remember that that big tsunami that happened in Asia um was it like 15 years ago? but I remember this I remember that tsunami clearly I remember when it happened because yeah my, yeah I remember Go yeah ahead. that big tsunami that that killed how much people thousands of people so after after the tsunami um there was some investigation investigational journalism um person from i think it was nbc or one of those places they went there to do to do some 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 footage after 
2004. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like what? 18 years? Ah, uh, that would be what? I don't know. My gosh, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> don't ask me to do no math now. It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, so, so this, this journalist um, went there and some a person took him to this um, a, a island of, of the mainland where they have some indigenous people live. And the person took him there because the person was saying that not one person on that small island died in the tsunami. Uh, when he took when he took him there, like there's this this elder of the village that 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 they took him to speak to, and and the guy had to be translating because one of the lang the language that they speak like it's like one of those languages that's not recorded. But the the guy from the mainland was able to translate, mm -hmm. and the, the the elder from the the village said that he woke up in the morning and he felt the tsunami like he felt the tsunami like about 24 hours before something like that and he he gathered up all the people in the village and some of the younger people were like saying like no like you're crazy or whatever how would you know that 24 hours ahead and he was like warning everybody that we need to go um to this part of the island and a lot of people weren't listening some of them were listening but then in the evening they realized that they saw birds start just rushing away. Mm -hmm. And when they see the birds and the animals start rushing, then they're like, oh, sure, maybe something is... So they, at that point, they decided to listen. And then when they looked, they saw the ocean. They could see the, 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 the ground of the ocean for like miles. Like the water was just receding back. And the, the following day, the tsunami came and nobody died because of this person. And I'm saying that to say because like they have a, a tsunami system that's set up there. The alarm went off when the tsunami was hitting. Like about an hour before the tsunami hit, the, the, the system went off. And, and this system is created by the brightest minds in the world, right? These are the people that we listen to that create this system. But this one indigenous elder was able to detect 24 hours before the system was able to detect and nobody on his village died. So, yeah, sometimes the people with the knowledge are the people that, that are looked at as crazy and um, these government people and scientists who have an agenda, we look at them as, yeah, we, we take everything that they say. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the answers are in nature, um, James. A lot of what we need is in nature, but we have been trained not to rely on nature, but rather on technology. And we have to know how to balance the two. Take your children outside. You yourself go outside every now and again. Pay attention. Watch the pattern. When it's about terrain, look at the clouds. Some people don't even know what certain clouds mean. People don't even know. Yeah. But we, we, we need to get back. We, we are a part of nature because when we die, we're going to disintegrate into dust anyway So and get right back into the earth. So we are a part of it. So we need to learn how to exist with it. And it's time for us to take another quick music break. Here's some more soca for us when we return. We have Sports Caribbean Corner and news out of Latin America. Everybody 
all our listeners logged on to the quality music zone qmzradio.com janoradio.com and everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens i'm moments with me you're listening to coffee in tow world news on the go every monday through friday starting at 9 a.m to 12 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views you can find me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media 
and on TikTok, Moments with Me Media. And the me and everything is M-I-N. Yes, I'm out of breath. I am dancing in between. <laughs> Burning off some calories. It's Move It Monday and we do it in Soka style here on Coffee and Toe. If you're just tuning in for the first time, we welcome you. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O, available in your Apple and Google Play stores. And if you want quality music while you work or play, log on to www.qnzradio.com. No drinking and driving, tonight I surviving, me and my whole team living, and drinking yellow and wiping. I don't know what I love more, if I prefer soca or dance hall, which I don't know, I love them both. Well, you know, growing up in Jamaica, yeah, dance hall is a natural, but also I'm a soca baby too. I'm ready to take on the week. I hope you are too. This music has me in a very good frame of mind. And it is time for us to get into sports news. NFL star Demarius Thomas's autopsy points to complications of a seizure disorder as cause of death. Late NFL star and former Georgia Tech player Demarius Thomas died from complications of a seizure disorder, according to results from his final autopsy, the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office said. The medical examiner's office conducted the athlete's autopsy a day after he was found dead in the shower of his Georgia home on December 9. He was 33 years old. The medical examiner indicated that there was no direct relationship between the seizure disorder and chronic traumatic encephalop. Okay, you know what? I'm done here. Encephalopathy. Okay, let's put it all together now. E-N-C-E-P-H-A-L-O-P-A-T-H-Y. Encephalopathy. See, that's how we do it. (laughs) Or CTE, the degenerative brain disease that Thomas battled before his death, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported. Doctors at the Boston University CTE Center confirmed in July that the star player was diagnosed with stage 2 CTE after his brain was studied posthumously. The autopsy report still leaves several unanswered questions surrounding Thomas's death. The medical examiner listed the manner of death as determined and as undetermined and added that it was unclear uh, if the seizure disorder resulted from natural causes or was the effect of head trauma that he suffered while playing in the league, ESPN and the Denver Post has also reported. The family previously said he had died from cardiac arrest caused by a seizure which he had begun suffering from since a 2019 car accident. That's so unfortunate. But, um, oh, I was told that we all die from a cardiac arrest, though. No matter what, your heart has to go, gives out, right? Um, don't know how true that is, but I've been told that. And now it is time for us to get into the Caribbean corner. Oh, 
our first story, courtesy of WSBN. Federal authorities rescued more than 300 Haitian migrants off the coast of Key Largo as the Florida Keys continue to see a massive influx of Cuban and Haitian migrants trying to reach the coast of South Florida. According to the U.S. Border Patrol, the Haitian migrants on Saturday were packed into a sailboat that was just over 40 feet long. They were stopped a few miles away from the affluent Ocean Reef Club. Witness Kula Brown took out his cell phone and began recording video after he spotted some of the migrants trying to swim to shore. Saturday's interdiction is harder the first time South Florida has seen a mass migration. People are coming in a huge wave, leaving behind everything in the Caribbean and hoping for a better life. Since October, Border Patrol has stopped 3,739 Cubans and 6,534 Haitians trying to reach South Florida. These numbers are higher than the last five years combined. In January, close to 200 Haitian migrants risked their lives and arrived in a boat off the coast of Key Largo. The vessel almost capsized, but all of them were saved and sent back to their home country. Three months later, about 350 migrants were spotted in the same area of Key Largo. More than 150 of them jumped off the boat in a desperate attempt to make it on shore. Back in July, 100 or so migrants came ashore off Boca Chita Key. Several of them were taken to the hospital for evaluation, but all were okay and later repatriated. A picture captured a blue boat washed upon Miami Beach on Sunday. The phrase, to the future without fear, was written on the vessel's exterior in Spanish, encompassing the hope from migrants who set out on the dangerous trek. Since Thursday, Border Patrol agents have responded to 16 migrant interceptions in the Florida Keys alone. Coast Guard and Border Patrol officials said their first mission when they come across these migrants is to ensure everyone on board is safe. The Haitian migrants on Saturday were dehydrated, but okay. For others, the dangerous trip on open water has been deadly. U.S. Coast Guard crews on Friday responded to a capsized boat carrying 15 migrants. Five migrants went missing and eight were saved. One of them was even rescued by a cruise ship and turned over to Border Patrol. Sadly, two of the migrants did not survive. The search for the five missing migrants continued this weekend. Authorities said they're looking to hold the smugglers who put people in these dangerous situations responsible. They have no regard for the lives of any of these migrants, said Hoffner. In the interview process on Saturday, we were able to identify two suspected smugglers involved with this event. We will partner with our Department of Homeland Security Investigations and attempt to prosecute any individuals in any of these cases. Of the migrants that came on Saturday, investigators said 113 managed to reach land. They were bused to a Border Patrol facility in Dania Beach because the one in Monroe County is overloaded. Agents are interviewing the migrants and beginning the process of sending them back to Haiti. The Coast Guard will repatriate the roughly 200 migrants who stayed on the sailboat. We've had this conversation several times here in Coffee and Toe. And let me point out to you, Department of Homeland Security, Coast Guard, Border Patrol, they're not going to stop coming. 
repatriating them is not the answer to the problem. You're only sending back them back to the very problem they're running away from. Nobody makes that journey to risk their lives for naught. They don't just get up and say, oh, I want to go. No. They've had enough. They're tired, frustrated. They're trying to save their lives just like everybody else. They want to live to see another day. And they're willing to risk it all. They have left behind family members, possessions, to start all over again. The chance for a better life. The same trek that many of your founding fathers took when they left Europe was in pursuit of a better life or for freedom. Well, guess what? Nothing much has changed, right? Because they're looking for a better life and freedom and we're denying them and they're going to continue. They are going to continue. It's not going to stop. So repatriation is not the solution. It is not the answer. And yes, while I'm saying, okay, fine, you, you, you're going to hold the smugglers responsible, but they're not the ones going around recruiting people on the island of Haiti. The people who want to leave are the ones finding the smugglers, and that's what I don't think y'all are realizing. And you, you lock up these smugglers, well, guess what? They're going to find more because they are desperate. What, you ever watch a crackhead drop crack on the ground? You, you ever see a crackhead search for crack? They find it. We wouldn't find it because you're like, oh my gosh, what are you looking for? They find it. When you're desperate, you will find a way out. And these people are desperate. And we need a better resolution. Repatriation is not the answer. It's not the answer. Nobody takes the journey for naught. Do we even care? Do we even care? Because if every time you repatriate more come, more come, more come, more come, more come, more come, more are making the journey because to them, you didn't get through, but I'm going to get through. And they leave with that determination. So I asked the U.S. government, what is the answer? What I think they need to do is to, not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's open yet, but they need to reopen the embassy in, in, in Haiti. Um, it's been closed for a long time. Um, I think they need to reopen it and give people give people an opportunity to apply, you know, to at least to try to get it legal way to get here, because I think it's been closed and I think it's still closed. No, it's that. open. It has been reopened. Their operating hours are seven a.m. to three thirty p.m. Oh, it's reopened. Okay, so now can give I just them looked a it up. I just looked it up. Yeah. I know everybody is not going to be able to come. But at least they give them a chance. I know it was closed for a while. Yeah, it was. Lady was talking about it um, a couple, couple months ago. So. Okay. 
All right, so that's one solution, allowing them to, to apply. But what's the next solution? So after they apply, let us look at the processing turnaround time. Uh, I think that's a long um, process as well. I'm not sure how long it is, but I know if people have been waiting, they, they, they've been waiting there for months, years, just to get... Um, to hear from the government so i'm not sure what's going on there or they might have to just um they have these just like they had in jamaica the other day with the cruise ship and stuff Jobs. because at the end of the day you you pushing your life at risk to to take that journey i understand the desperation i understand everything we all are desperate one way or the other in some things that we make decisions where we're not supposed to, but we do it anyways. But sometimes we have to sit back and really think. And okay, they if you know I'm not I'm not sure if the opportunity applied to them with certain jobs or going to cruise ships or something. But this this is just me. I would have to find another way. Because if I'm hearing, say, my, my family members and my friends keep getting sent back to Haiti or dying on the waters, I'm not going to take that chance with my family. I'm not going to. I'm going to try to figure something out. I'm going to try another way. And I'm not going to go with a bunch of people doing it. No. I'm going to do it by myself. Because it's easier for me to get away from the system, from these border patrol, than when 300, you know, three, 400 yeah. you come so you have to figure something else out. I know they're desperate. I know they're desperate. But they, they need to sit back and think, how can uh, this is a dangerous task. How can I do this another way? That's just, that's just my, that's, that's the way I think. I, I, I have to, and I, I don't do stuff with people anyways. I do stuff alone. Yeah. When you do with too much people, I know it's cheaper, you know, to pay the smugglers a certain amount of money, and it's they they might charge you twenty thousand dollars, and everybody can put in a couple hundred dollars and get get across. But still, it's it's very dangerous, and they need to figure something else out. Yeah, that just shows you the desperation of people to take a chance like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Is, is there like a world, you know, a solid like world um, human rights organization? You know, the same way we have like the World Health Organization that um, tried to lead in terms of like when we have like um, crisis across the world with like pandemics and stuff like that. You know, because I feel like individually, like if, if there's a strong body like of countries that, that, that pool their resources together and say, for example, like, if America, Canada, or whatever, England, they're like, you know, we're not comfortable with people from Haiti, like flooding our borders and, and whatever. If, if there's like a, a pool of a fund that they can give to countries that are willing to, to take in people. And, you know, because I, I, I feel like from what I've seen so far is like Europe is ready and waiting to help any European countries that's like need help or anything like that but countries in africa countries in, in the middle east or other countries that 
are facing the same type of crisis are not getting the same effort. You know, so I feel like if, if we have a body like that, I know there's somebody, but it, it just doesn't seem as powerful. Like the way like the World Health Organization is powerful, where like, you know, like if say like a Jamaica or Trinidad government can come together and say, okay, we can, you know, when, when we see these people coming in, we can accept a certain amount and we just liaise with this organization and say, look, okay, a hundred people came in this year um, and there's a certain amount of fund that's there to, to kind of help because in fairness to like a Jamaica or, or some of the other smaller islands, it's, it's hard to take on because some of these countries are struggling taking care of their own people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the struggle. And, and while these bigger countries are, are using money to just buy weapons and stuff like that, they, they have the resources that they can help, even if they don't want to take them into their countries, but they can help. And it just, it's sad because it just seemed like it's set up, like the way the system is set up, it's like to help. It's like a, a white supremacy culture across the world. Like, the, the same thing in, in, in Canada. In Canada, like, if you're coming from a European country or some of those countries, like, it's, it's, you get in just like that. The, 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 the black countries, like, it's like they have a limit. Like, okay, we can only accept, like, five people from Jamaica, like, one from Haiti, or, you know, that, like, they have a limit. But the floodgates is open for, like, European people. And even when you look at... Um, you come to Canada and, and you're talking about jobs. Like one of the, the, the most ridiculous thing, like people from the Philippines, there are some educated people from the Philippines, nurses and doctors, and they come here and they turn them into PSW. And when you ask, like, why are these people not getting the same opportunities? They turn around and said, um, they don't speak proper English or whatever. And I'm watching TV and the, the, the head of the nursing association in Ontario is a European woman that she can't, you can't understand the crap that's coming out of this woman's mouth because her accent is so deep. And then you're gonna tell us that like, you can't take these Filipino people because of their accent. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's hypocrisy. hypocrisy. It, is. it is, no doubt about it. Thank you so much, James. I do have to keep it moving. Uh, the next story out of the Caribbean corner. So it was a grand spectacle indeed. The Independence Grand Gala. Ahead of Saturday's Independence Grand Gala at the National Stadium, the promise from the government was for an extremely grand affair to culminate Jamaica's Diamond Jubilee celebrations. From fireworks and music, drama, song and dance to the thousands of Jamaicans who turned out in their black, green and gold to celebrate Jamaica's 60th anniversary of independence, the event was indeed a spectacle. Did we mention there was a drone show? Oh, yes, there was. <laughs> um, so while we are celebrating the 60th year of um, independence, and I put that in quotations, I would say the 60th year of the lowering of the Union Jack. That's what I would say. I, I don't know if I would truly say <laughs> um, independence in the true sense. But I ask us, and I would urge us to think about our mental slavery. And I'm going to play this song. Mm -hmm. 
sure what happened. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. Here we go. We're back in business. All pirates, yes, they rob I. Sold I to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I. From the bottomless pit. But my hand was made strong. By the end of the Almighty, we forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing these songs of freedom? Cause all I ever have redemption songs. Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing Songs of freedom is all I ever had. Redemption songs, all I ever had. Redemption songs, these songs of freedom, songs of freedom. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. We are free from chains, but we're mentally enslaved. Yes, it's 2022. Jamaica has made advancements. 60 years after the Union Jack has been lowered. However, there is still much to be done. 
So while I watched the celebrations and looked at people enjoying themselves, yes, there was some sense of pride. But I thought beyond that. And I said, how great it is when we can come together through music, food, culture. And then afterwards, we crawl back into the cracks like termites as they disappear into the woods. Why can't that unison be a constant? We come together and we celebrate when our athletes perform on world stages. We come together and we celebrate when one of our own or a descendant of one of our own is celebrated on international platforms and makes advances. We come together and we recognize those moments, but it doesn't last long. Because as soon as the fireworks disappear and the smoke clears, as soon as we make our way back to our homes, we go back and pick up the fear that resonates within us because of the crippling situation around us, the economy. We turn on each other, acts of cannibalism, we literally eat each other alive. Simple things make us so angry that we seek such vengeance. We're desperate. And I'm not pointing fingers on political leaders because they do not have the answers. And I think by now we should realize that. But if we as a people say we truly care about our country and the people of our country, let us look within and see what it is that we are doing on an individual basis to make that change. Let us look at the behaviors that we have been facilitating and promoting, endorsing. Are they good or are they bad? And yet we may sit by and say there is corruption at every level, which is true. How are you holding the corrupt accountable? They're corrupt when they are allowing others certain benefits, but when it comes to you, you want that benefit extended to you. Are you standing up and saying, no, no, let me pay my way? You're not doing that. So how do we expect change when we are not fueling the change? We're crying out under oppression when we oppress ourselves. Looking for someone to save us when we have to save ourselves. There are a lot of things that have gone by the wayside. Things as simple as manners. Nobody says good morning anymore. Nobody shows common courtesies anymore. Blaring disrespect to everyone. Everyone is above, is above reproach. So while we celebrate, can we look within and look for more to celebrate? 
Let us take care of each other the way we take care of the tourist. Let us take care of each other the way we take care of the foreign investor whom we hold in high esteem but not our own. Let us come together and put our resources together instead of bad in one another. Oh, I want you to make it, but I don't want you to be better than me. Why can't we dispel that thought and change the outcome for ourselves? Stop looking for someone to save us. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Look within. Just last week, we spoke about how beautiful we should find each other. Find ourselves. Let's look within and find the good within ourselves, the beauty within ourselves, and understand that we are deserving of the best. But we can only display the best to reap the best. We have a lot of work to do. While we're crying out for reparation, and while we're crying to become a republic, let us see if we can clean up our hearts and our minds. And in doing so, we're cleaning up our country. Let us be forward thinking. Not being afraid. Let us be bold. To step forward. Let us harness the good. Encourage the youth. Because they are the future. Encourage the youth. To think positive. Provide them with opportunities. Right? And I'm done speaking. Happy birthday, Jamaica. Happy birthday. Suspected mastermind behind importation of 21 guns held in Ocherias. A man who has been described as the suspected mastermind behind the illegal importation of 21 guns into the island in March of this year was arrested in Ocherio St. Anne on Sunday, August 7th, the police have reported. The man whose identity is being withheld, pending formal charges being laid against him, was arrested by personnel from the Counterterrorism and Organized Crime Investigation Branch at a party in the parish. Detectives say the man has been on their radar for some time and his arrest follows months of investigations that featured several lines of inquiry. 18 handguns, three rifles and a large cache of ammunition sorry, were seized by the police at a warehouse in Kingston on Friday, March 4. The find was made when personnel from Jamaica Customs noticed anomalies with a package and called the Counterterrorism and Organized Crime Investigations Branch. More inv information is to follow on the development. Yes, clean up. Clean up. And as I'm saying clean up, we need to dig deeper into customs because a lot of what gets out there on the street came through customs. A lot of what is in the garrison communities that we so dread didn't just magically appear there. They were not made there. They were imported. And it, they went through customs. So clean up. 
have a proper audit done on customs. $43 million spent on Johnson Smith's failed Commonwealth post-bed summit. The Jamaican government spent a combined $43 million on the failed campaign by Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade Minister Senator Kamina Johnson-Smith to wrest the Commonwealth Secretary General position away from the Baroness Patricia Scotland and for its delegation that attended the Commonwealth Heads of Government Summit in Kigali, Rwanda in June. A total of $18.2 million was spent on the Johnson-Smith campaign that started with the Surprise announcement of her candidature by Jamaica House in April. Approximately $25 million was spent on the delegation, which included Prime Minister Andrew Holness and his wife Juliet, that attended long week, the Long Week Summit at which the incumbent, the Dominica-born Scotland, narrowly defeated Johnson Smith to retain her position as Commonwealth Secretary General. $43 million. 18.2 million on a campaign and 25 million for the delegation. Um, sorry, as a taxpayer, can I have some accountability for the, can I have a breakdown of the expense, please? That, that's all I'm asking for. 25 million divided by 150, that's $166,666. U.S. approximately to go to Kigali, Rwanda for one week. Eighty something million U.S. dollars for campaign. I, I I need a breakdown of how the money was spent, and I do believe, and I'm not saying that it's wrongfully spent. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But I want justification. I need an uh, an explanation. I need a breakdown to the penny because when the auditors come into your business to audit your books, they leave no stone unturned because they want to make sure that you are paying them every penny of GCT that is to be paid, right? So I'm not being unreasonable if I ask the Jamaica government to explain to me, give me a breakdown to the penny of the $43 million. Seems a little excessive to me, but hey, what do I know in this economy? I don't know anything. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Newly elected Prime Minister of St. Kitts and Nevis, Dr. Terence Drew, has declared August, Monday the 8th, today a public holiday. In a short Facebook video message, the Prime Minister said the public holiday is being given as part of the celebrations of the victory of their party. The St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party in the August 5 snap general election. Under the leadership of Dr. Drew, the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party won six out of the 11 constituencies in an upset for the former Dr. Timothy Harris administration. On Saturday, Dr. Terence Drew was sworn in as the fourth Prime Minister of St. Kitts and Nevis. Massive inter-island drug bust, million-dollar, multi-million-dollar marijuana seizure. A Colombian national was arrested in marijuana with a street value of Trinidad and Tobago. $72.04 million was seized following months of surveillance, intelligence, gathering, wow, and collaboration with regional law enforcement agencies. Okay, I need to put that in. 72 million how much is that 
of course. And it's 37 cents. TN one, yeah, 37 cents for one US dollar. That's in TNT. So let me see. That don't make sense. 37 cents to one US to dollar. One US, yeah. Wow. The TNT dollar is pretty strong. I, I must say that. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty strong. That's 26.6 million US. Yeah, it's pretty strong, Javed. It's a strong dollar, yeah. This is the culmination of an investigation that started in June 2020 when officers of the Trinidad and Tobago Police Service began investigations into a person of interest who was suspected of controlling a drug ring based in central Trinidad with regional and international links. It is said the suspect and another man then boarded a flight to Barbados in late June 2022. Barbados law enforcement was notified and their assistance was requested. The TTPS continued gathering intelligence and maintained relations with Barbados law enforcement and as a result discovered that on July 29, a shipment of drugs landed in Barbados. The intelligence was further developed and on August 2, Barbados law enforcement breached the stash house in Barbados where they found and seized 481 kilograms of marijuana with a street value of Trinidadian dollars, 72 million. One Colombian national was also arrested at the house and investigations are continuing. In sports news, of course, we know the Jamaicans are killing it, but we don't want to talk about them today. Grenada's Anderson Peters wins silver at 2022 Commonwealth Games. World champion javelin thrower. Anderson Peters of Grenada has won the silver medal in the men's javelin final at the 2022 Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. Congratulations. Peters threw a distance of 88.64 meters to place second behind Pakistan's Arshad Nadeem, who won gold with a throw of a personal best in games record of 90.18 meters. Yeah, congratulations. The Caribbean, yes, I'm proud when it, it, any island person wins any medal. I, I guess I'm really bad, right? Because I'm watching, what race was it the other day? And I said to Marlon, any Jamaican in the race? Because if no Jamaican in the race, not watching, right? Any Caribbean person in the race? None? Okay, definitely not watching. So if I watch a race and there's no Jamaican, but there's another islander, I'm like, they better win. And I'm rooting for that islander. Is that bad? I don't think so. Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> I root for them all the time. And then if I don't see any there, then I'll root for someone from Africa. You know, then I, I go down the board. <laughs> because I can't understand why the U.S. think they have to dominate everything. What's this need? Right? You have to dominate everything. You can't celebrate others winning. Huh? That I don't think you should be like that. You can't win all the time. No, you can't. No, celebrate others for a change. I know my cousin who lives in um down under. He put up a post and I reposted it. Okay, here it is. I found it. He posted it yesterday. So the World Under 20 Athletic Championship medal table. So this is it. For, this is now for the 
under 20, and I think this is going down in Colombia. United States has a total of 15 medals, seven gold, four silver, four bronze. Jamaica, six gold, seven silver, three bronze for a total of 16 medals. I'm proud of the under 20 team. Teams. One more than the U.S. One more, the total medal count. Then in third place, we have Ethiopia with 12 medals, Kenya 10, South Africa 5, Turkey 4, France 3, Germany 8. Uh, how did they, why would you put number? Oh, that don't make no sense. Oh, I guess, we, well, I don't know. That still don't make no sense. Germany has 8, Sweden 4, Finland 3. Why would Germany be number 8 and France number 7? That don't make no sense. Shouldn't Germany be number five and then South Africa number six if they're going according to medal count? But anyway, and then why is the U.S. number one? Is it number one based on the number of gold? No, that's not it either. So I want to know how they, why they would rank them because technically if you're going by medal count, Jamaica would be number one then the U.S., then Ethiopia. I don't like that. Something's off. They need to call somebody and fix that. U.S., you ain't number one. You lost to Jamaica. Sorry. Bye-bye for a quick second there. Goodbye. Have several seats. You did not win. My apologies. I'm being very clandestine of sorts. care javette call it for sportsmanship oh not me then no, yeah then then yeah, yeah that was before yeah yeah thank you them indeed firefighters continue to battle a big blaze at a cuba tank farm for the second day cuban firefighters were joined by special teams sent by mexico and venezuela on sunday as they battled for a second day to control a fire blazing at a big oil tank farm in the western province of Matanzas. The U.S. could have sent help. We're right there. People have to come all the way from South America and Central America. Anyway, I'm being cheeky. The blaze began Friday night when lightning struck a storage tank during a thunderstorm and the fire spread to a second tank early on Saturday, triggering a series of explosions, officials have said. Hope everyone will be safe and believe it or not stories. So, I never heard of this guy before. First time hearing about him. Zadi or Zade Kicks. Never heard about Zade Kicks. Uh, owner facing 30 years in prison for, okay, I got it wrong. Zade Kicks is the name of the brand. The owner has a different name, my bad. Is facing 30 years in prison for sneaker Ponzi scheme. When something appears too good to be true, it usually is. That is the case with an Oregon-based sneaker swindler who promised ultra-rare kicks at below-average prices. Michael Malek Zadeh, so it does have a part of his name in it, Zadeh, okay, 39, ran his Zadeh Kicks LLC for nearly a decade before it all fell apart. Bloomberg reports that one sneaker in particular, the Air Jordan 11 Retro Cool Gray, led to the company's downfall. So according to the Department of Justice, Malek Zadeh accepted more than 600,000 pre-orders for the cool gray 11s. He offered the highly sought after sneakers for as low as $115 
when the retail price was $225. Malik Zadeh, guess how much he raked in? More than $70 million on pre-orders with no possible way to fulfill the demand. He was only able to actually get his hands on about 6,000 pairs. Now, this is where, here Malik, 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 come, pull up a chair, sit down for a second. This is where you went wrong. It didn't have to be a Ponzi scheme. What you should have done is you should have connected with the Air Jordan team and say, hey, listen, we need to fulfill some orders here because y'all sneakers overpriced anyway. I ain't lying. So let us fulfill these. That's what I would have done me personally i didn't know that people were heavily invested in sneakers like this i really didn't know i honestly didn't know is it sounds like an addiction to me anyway the fbi has seized 6.1 million dollars in cash nearly 100 watches jewelry and about 1100 pairs of sneakers from his personal what the heck you doing 1100 pair of sneakers the other day, what's his name? DJ Khaled. Had um, Joe, Fat Joe. Was it Fat Joe? It's Fat Joe is his name? Yeah. In his closet down here in Miami. Sneakers. Up on sneakers, up on sneakers, up on sneakers, up on sneakers. And I get it. You were poor. I get it. You grew up poor. I get it. You, you struggled. You, you, you had a hard life. I get it. And now you make it. And so now you have to own everything in the world. But he had sneakers in his closet. And I get it. A lot of sneakers are sent to him for free. So don't come for me, folks. Don't come for me. I know that too. Because he's in the lab still working, right? Always creating another one. So sneakers are constantly sent to him. But he has sneakers in there that he hasn't worn. And when he picked up a couple pairs of the sneakers, they felt they crumbled. Dry rotten. How do you wear 1,100 pair of sneakers? Or are they just collector's items? I don't know. I don't know. And he has a warehouse too. This man that they held on to with 60,000 pairs of sneakers. I don't know. An Atlanta couple has been arrested and facing sex abuse charges for making homemade child pornography with their adopted children. And they want people to keep having children. William Dale Zulok, 32, and Zachary Jacoby Zulok, 35, were charged with aggravated child molestation, sexual exploitation of a child, and enticing a child for indecent purposes. William was slapped with an additional charge of child molestation. The Walton County Sheriff's Office executed a search warrant on a Loganville home on July 27 after receiving information that an individual may have been downloading child pornography. The suspect tipped investigators off to a different suspect producing homemade child sex abuse material. The Sheriff's Department alerted Walton County's Division of Family and Child Services that two children would need placement. According to a press release, WCSO deputies executed the search warrant at an Oxford home just hours after receiving the information. The suspects were identified as the two brothers' adoptive parents. During the search, 
Evidence was collected that showed the Zoologs were engaging in sexually abusive acts and video documenting this abuse. The investigation is still ongoing, but the brothers are now safe. Do they even need to go to trial? I, I, I don't think they'd even need trial. Just lock them up and throw away the key. Lock them up and throw away the key. They, they don't need to come out. You adopt these children and this is what you do to them? Children who are already traumatized? But keep having babies, they say. In entertainment news, the attorney for the driver who killed Nicki Minaj's father in a hit-and-run car accident in 2021 speaks out after his client, Charles Polvich, was sentenced to just one year in jail. In an interview with Bola Alert, attorney Mark Craigan shared why he believed his client was handed down the one-year sentence. The district attorney was recommending one to three years. The next lowest sentence is a year. In terms of the break that he got, did he get a br bit of a break in terms of what the DA was offering? Yeah. You think? According to Gan Polvich's age and lack of criminal activity played a role in the judge's decision. The judge took into account that he's a 72-year-old man with no history of any kind of criminal history who had been involved for a larger part of his whole life in charitable endeavors. According to officials... Polvich struck Robert Mirage and then fled the scene. The vehicle later covered. <laughs> oh my gosh, the vehicle was later covered in his garage. Gan says fleeing the scene was the only criminal act in the case. At the end of the day, everybody understood that if Mr. Polvich would have remained at the scene, there wouldn't be a criminal charge. So why don't he stay at the scene? He stayed at the scene parked a car in his garage and covered up the car so if he has a clean criminal history why did he run why did he run if it was a genuine accident why did he run throughout the trial talks regarding polvich's health were brought to the court's attention gan shared that polvich has a history of heart disease and heart attacks he retained a forensic expert who he says could not testify with a sufficient degree of medical certainty. Gan stated his health condition is what he believes caused Polvich to leave the scene of an accident. Uh, history of heart disease and heart attack made you leave the accident? If anything, it should have polarized you where you are not able to move because you are so frightened. Of what just happened? If it was you or me, how many years would we be getting? Getting? Let me speak properly. I'm sorry. I have issues. Prosecutors want to seize $28,000 from R. Kelly's prison inmate account, especially since he has $140,000 in court-ordered fines. In a letter obtained by the government for the, from the Bureau of Prisoners, Prisons, the singer has accumulated substantial funds in his inmate trust account, which is used to purchase food and other necessities from the prison commissary. According to Bloomberg, Kelly has $28,328.24 in his account as of August the 3rd. 
The Bureau of Prisons has restrained Kelly's funds at the government's request and left the singer with $500. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn, New York, have stated that the singer hasn't paid any of the criminal penalties since being sentenced to 30 years in prison for sex trafficking. They're asking the judge to put the money into an interest-bearing account pending a determination as to the amount and applicability of a restitution judgment. R. Kelly's attorney has yet to respond. And Mike Tyson accuses Hulu of stealing his life story, calls streamer a slave master. Mike Tyson ripped into Hulu on Twitter and Instagram on Saturday over the streamer's upcoming series detailing his personal and professional life. The former undisputed heavyweight champion accused the company of stealing his life story. He said, don't let Hulu fool you. All right, Tyson, you kind of rhyming there. Don't let Hulu fool you. That's what he wrote in his Instagram. I don't support their story about my life. It's not 1822. It is 2022. I, I have to, I'm sorry, I have to break the news to you, Tyson. <sighs> It's not 2022. It is actually 1822. Sorry. Just had to bring up to speed. We're going back in time here, right? Um, yeah. So that's what they're doing to Mike Tyson. Sorry to hear that's happening. Hopefully your legal team can go after them and pay you what is owed to you because what they're doing is just shameful. Really shameful. Shame on you, Hulu. it's time for me to say goodbye three hours went by really quickly thank you to all our listeners who logged on to qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com and everyone here with me on clubhouse where the conversation happens don't forget to check out days after dark tonight on qmzradio.com and johnoradio.com or you can join the live conversation on clubhouse hey with myself so solo, Sonette, and Marlon. It's adult conversations as we tackle real relationships. You were listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. As always, it's great perspectives, interesting perspectives, great conversation, shared views, varying opinions. Today was Soka Styly. Yep. Coming up later on today, we also have at 4 p.m. DJ. I went blank for a second. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I went blank. Coming up at 4 p.m., we have DJ Trouble. Tune in on janoradio.com and if you already have that app downloaded you can tuning on that as well because you always have your phone next to you thank you so much everyone whatever you do wherever you go i do ask that you please be safe take care of yourselves and i look forward to seeing you here tomorrow for another edition of coffee and so see you tonight 10 p.m eastern it's on, it's on.